welcome to the Longest Day podcast. I'm Leah, your host and the founder of Broadstairs Consulting. We are an advisory and mediation consultancy, bringing clarity, focus, and momentum to organizations by helping leaders find creative solutions that work. We help rebuild relationships and facilitate effective dialogue. We are convinced that people matter and that conversations count, so we started The Longest Day, a series of conversations where we learn from the resilience, determination, and candor of our guests. As they look back on their longest days, our hope is that it will empower you to look forward. We hope their stories will be a part of shaping yours. Today, we welcome George Osei Opong Jr., the co-owner and CEO of HostHelp. HostHelp is a digital company providing cloud web hosting, SEO, research, software, and data services. George's role is to lead the development of the company over the short and long term, ensuring that the company maintains high social responsibility. George had an early love for technology gadgets and problem solving. He's a seasoned IT professional uh, with many years experience, including time at Sainsbury's head office, Nationwide and IBM. He started his IT consultancy touch bills during that time and scaled it to an over 500k valuation in less than three years with no external investment. George has also been involved in a few different business ventures and now has over 150 companies in his portfolio, including angel investments in companies such as Cheeky Panda. Alongside his business and investing career, George has also written two books. He's recorded two audiobooks alongside them and a podcast album, the first of its kind to be streamed on all the major streaming platforms. Well, George, thank you so much for being willing to come on The Longest Day. Perhaps you would like to tell us about your longest day. Yeah, sure. Well, thank you for having me. Um, so for me, my longest day was when I, well, kind of two things. I found out that my nan passed away. Um, so that was devastating. Also, my longest day was when I found out that I wasn't going to university, which I was working towards for the better part of my school time, essentially. And what had you wanted to study at university? Did you have something you've been passionate about your whole life? Kind of. So apparently I was told my mom that I wanted to be a pilot. Um, but this was more around like, so the course was aerospace engineering. Um, and I wanted to essentially work on planes, help build planes, engines, etc. But then um, potentially look at being a pilot after that. Um, and I think it's probably just because I was saying it, but I don't know if I was told that and then I took it. You're not a pilot now. No. You do many things well. Thank you. After realising that you didn't get the grades that you needed, right? what did you decide to do next? So after not getting the grades that I needed, I didn't really know what to do next. So I tried so many different things. I tried to work at McDonald's. Um, I tried to work at Matterland because I felt like I needed to get a job at that point because I was like, this this is over. Um, my nan passed away around that same time. So I had to, we had to leave the country. Um, so I, we went to Ghana for a few months, obviously the funeral and all that kind of stuff. Had to do that. And I remember having a conversation with my mum and she, so normally, um, traditionally, African parents normally like force you to go to uni or you hear stories like that. But my mum and dad, they were quite different. So she was more down the path of, you know, well, what do you want to do? Like she kind of made me figure it out. And we had a conversation. I was like, you know, I want to do something in IT. I don't know what. 
Um, my dad's always been kind of taking me through. He was like an engineer by trade, but he never actually done engineering. He ended up being a bus driver because life got in the way, I guess. Um, but he was always playing with stuff at home. So I think that kind of led me down that way. So yeah, I had a conversation with her and then I was like, you know, I want to try some stuff. Um, and I want to try and see how I can get into into IT or do something around IT because that's what I'd done in college. And she was like, you know, well, there's stuff like, she was very clued up for some reason, but she was like, you know, there's apprenticeships, there's things like that that you can try. And, and I think I didn't even think about it until she told me, which is really bad because it's not like she even grew up here. So yeah, no, she was talking about stuff like that. But funny enough, it's hilarious. When I got back, I actually got a letter from KLM um and i don't remember applying for it but i'm not sure if it's maybe when people get rejected for the course maybe they offered them they offered me an apprenticeship for like four years of piloting so this is literally my dream and i i just put the letter down so i, I was like um I, I don't know if it was pride or what it was but i i knew i didn't want to do it anymore after that conversation i wanted to kind of push with the it stuff because i felt like i could really do that um, so yeah, after that, I kind of um, looked for an apprenticeship. I was applying a lot. I then got one, um, which was like weird because I got one of um, Kings University, but no one else applied. Um, it was just me. So they couldn't actually get the fund apparently to do the course. Crazy. Um, made me probably start regretting my decision. Um, so I was working for a small business. There was like five employees or something. Um, and then I was kind of thinking, okay, he the manager, the CEO founder helped me then find a course provider um, and then also um, basically put me on the course and then I had to sort out the, the stuff around actually getting in and things like that. Um, even remember, I, don't, I didn't really have the maths grades either. So how I got in is probably a miracle um, to this day. But yeah, that's kind of, a lot of stuff happened, but yeah, that's the long and short of it. Where did you find the ability to make such definitive decisions, right? To just say, I'm not going to pursue being a pilot. I'm, I'm going to take that risk and I'm going to throw myself into a future in IT. I feel like um, that probably comes from my parents. As much as they worked for other people, there was never like sheep. Um, so, for example, like... Um, my my dad was a was a bus driver for a while. He ended up winning some settlement with TFL, who paid him out. Don't know how he did it. Paid him out. And he actually used that to buy a house in Ghana, for example. My mum, she came here, done lots of other like random jobs and stuff to basically fund some businesses that she was doing back home. So like a taxi, she had like a couple of taxis and things like that. She was, they've always been doing stuff, and they've always done what they said they're gonna do. Um, and I've never, I was never a sheep either. And I think that kind of showed in maybe like unconventional behavior, especially in school. Like all my teachers from primary school, um, used to say, oh, you know, I don't know how true it was, but there was like, you know, George is bright, but he always like, you know, disrupts the class or he does this, he does that. I, I have, I some degree have a, a big problem with listening to authority and just like staying in line. So I think that kind of comes out, that part also helps me with that stuff. And I've always been someone to try stuff. So even if I've got something wrong and I may not have a great feeling about trying something, but I'll just try it anyway. That, I don't know where 
I'll probably have to really dig deep to figure out where that stuff comes from. But I know I saw my parents do a lot of stuff and they were never like beaten by anybody. They was always kind of the ones making sure that they are in control to some degree of what they're doing. So I think that's kind of where I got that from. And I think also from my dad doing the engineering stuff, even though he didn't pursue it, he always kind of did what he wanted to do. And same with my mom, like there was never anybody controlling anyone or anything like that. They were kind of like free spirits. So I think I probably learned it from there. You're obviously an entrepreneur now. And one of the challenges for entrepreneurs is to both be resilient, Mm -hmm. but the flip side of that is obviously managing disappointment. Yep. How did your longest day help you become an entrepreneur? Don't like the word. That's the first thing. Um, I don't. I think probably because everyone uses it, and I've always been against things that everyone uses. Um, but so I think I think there's a couple of things. I think um, I think me not listening to authority to some degree is part of the reason how my career has shaped how how it's been. Um, so when so when I was at the small business doing my apprenticeship, I remember saying to the founder that, you know, I really want to learn everything. I want to understand how the business works because I just want to provide as much value as I can. I want to really grow in the role. And he was like, if you learn too much, you'll be dangerous. And I was like, I didn't really know what that meant. I just chalked up to racism at the time, but I, I feel like I, I wouldn't say that's exactly what it was, but it kind of made me feel like, you know, why? That's kind of all I wanted to know, but I never got the answer. And then from then, it kind of maybe I feel like there's there's always been something in me that even before then I, I never wanted to listen to people. So when I left, when I I was headhunted from that job, um, and that led me to start my first business, which was called like um, JNR Networking, something random. Um, and I was headhunted by Sainsbury's at the time, and after like a 10 minute conversation, they brought me on as a contractor, which was something like foreign because I've never heard of it before, which needed me to have an accountant, set up a company. I, I didn't know what was happening. Um, and that kind of gave gave me a freedom, even though I was still technically working a nine to five, I could say, I don't want to come in tomorrow, not come in. Obviously I could probably lose my contract, but I could still do what I wanted. Um, and so that, ha- that went on for about six out of the 10 years that I was there, that I was just, I guess, working in different different corporates and doing all that stuff. I think through all of that stuff, there was a point where one of my managers had a baby. Um, and obviously paternal leave, paternity leave is called, is like two two weeks or something. I didn't realize how quick two weeks went. And when he came back, he was like, you know, super excited about having his child, but he couldn't be with his child um, during the time that he was at work. And I felt like that was quite an injustice. Um, So all of those things kind of made me always know that I wanted to have my own thing, but I saw it from an investment point of view uh, because I've always kind of thought like an investor um, whereas not that I want to use people's time, but it was more of a case that you want to have money without having to work a nine to five. How do you do that, have freedom and still cash generate without having to work a nine to five? Those are the kind of things that was in my head. So 
tried a lot of different things to, to get there. Um, I started a car dealership at some point um, while I was working and that resulted in me because I was contracting, I was taking breaks to go and sell cars and come back and that wasn't working. I felt like I couldn't do that full time. Tried a lot of other things and just didn't hit. But I think what accelerated that for me was COVID. So during COVID, um, I, I've already been looking to, to invest in maybe like 2012, 2013. I was already thinking about it. COVID happened for me in November 2019. Um, and I already had all those companies. So I thought, you know, this is the first step to me kind of getting what I want and obviously doing agent investments and things like that. But then I realized that that's also finite to some degree. And that's really based around how much money I can afford to lose for a period of time. Um, because of, for a return, great to have dividends and stuff. That's always going to be good. But you have to invest a certain level for that dividends to then trickle down to a way that makes sense for you to live without needing more money and obviously as we know the longer you live and the more things that you do the more your expenses will rise and the more thing, all these things happen then I looked at the flip side that if I could run a business that could make money I could then continue investing and obviously I have a foundation as well I can also continue to fund that foundation and so it's now it was more of me thinking about what can I do to fund these things that I want to do um, and then kind of fell into we bought the company kind of naively thinking that it was going to be passive income I wanted to have a portfolio of companies myself that I own that would generate income fell into being a CEO at that point. So I already had a business, which was like a hair care business, which was one of the ones that stuck for a while, um, which I was like selling oils and things like that, like hair care treatment, um, which now we have a stylist and someone actually running that business. So I thought, oh, you know, this is the first step as well. This is great, but it still wasn't enough. Um, so we bought Hostop hoping for passive income, then had to fall into being a CEO. So I never really wanted to be a CEO so it's kind of unconventional but I knew that I want to have my foundation I want to do stuff um, and I do also want to invest in others I want to help at the core of me is helping people to become self-sustainable that is whether helping them invest in their business or providing them value or you know doing the foundation stuff so that's kind of always been at my core Are you feeling stuck? Has conflict got you down? Have you considered mediation? Mediation is a confidential and flexible way to resolve conflicts. 86% of all mediations end in a solution, saving time, money, and stress for all involved. Thanet Mediation Center, a Broadstairs consulting initiative, offers mediation services to individuals and organizations in Thanet, Kent, and further afield. For more information or advice, email us at info at broadstairsconsulting.com. We are here to help you move forwards. Let's talk about being an unconventional CEO for a second. Okay. What do you think makes a good CEO and how do you try to lead? Truth is that I don't know um, because there's so many different versions of a good CEO. I think... I kind of look at it from the business point of view. So, you know, how well a business runs in terms of are the people enjoying working there? Are your processes and operations effective? Um, are you saving your team time? Is your Are you building your team? Are you retaining your team? Um, 
what is the environment like you know are people leaving all that kind of stuff are, are all those kind of things optimized um and then i also look at how the financials of a business even though it's not a ceo's thing but as a new ceo or as someone that is starting a business or things like that you need to be the person that is your cfo for a certain amount of time before you can afford one so then looking at what is your decision making like when it comes to finances how are you emotionally led and all that kind of stuff kind of like a good leader and what's always been in my mind just from even from being young and seeing things is always someone that doesn't send you somewhere that they haven't been before um and which is essentially leading from the front and back so for example with my team and and with host up and any, any of my businesses there's not something that I couldn't tell someone to do that I haven't done before so because I saw it in a lot of big companies before where I've had a CTO ask me to help them with their outlook which didn't make sense to me because it's like you're this you're the chief technology officer you don't know how technology works that doesn't make sense so everybody in my team has to have work and knowledge even if you're a manager you have to have work and knowledge because then we're not going to grow if people don't understand you can't tell someone to do something they don't know how that works essentially what have you learned about yourself in the process of taking on the mantle of being ceo so one i've learned that um you have you have to know how to suffer and still be able to be highly effective um and that's something that is a very excruciating thing to go through um so i'll give an example with hostel we haven't taken any external um fan any external finances until probably this week um and that's not a case of like an investment it's more of like an overdraft thing so even that is a big thing for me because we haven't done that for the whole time that we've been we've been running and we essentially had to go through years of no revenue um because we couldn't make revenue because we didn't have the foundation to actually offer anything to anybody so we went through that whole time and I was obviously doing other stuff during that time but the turning point and where i actually turned on the pain essentially was when i left corporate so any ties of corporate that i had to generate revenue went out the window um and then i had to then figure out how hostel will make money immediately and long term as well um and that took me over a year to do so bear in mind during that time i we started making revenue properly in january this year i left corporate in september so september october november december nothing ish but essentially nothing um so i had to make a lot of decisions during that time and during that time i kind of learned i learned patience like serious patience um i learned that um I learned, I learned a lot of things about myself but one of the things that i learned was that even though i want something to happen tomorrow it's not going to happen tomorrow and i also have to then learn how to manage my expectation and learn how to not have a backup so me leaving corporate was me doing a leap of faith to not have a backup and really figure this out um which to some people is probably like an idiotic move because you leave a job or you leave a situation or a contract that's actually revenue generating or making money to going into somewhere where you now have to figure out how to make money um 
being someone that kind of always had money is weird. Um, so yeah, that that how I explain that into skills or things that I've learned is hard. But I know that for a year plus, I didn't know when I was going to make money. So money will come, but it will come at random points. And then I'll have times when I need the money for tomorrow and I don't have it. And then I'm not having to think, okay, how? So it was a lot, lot of stuff. I had to max out a lot of avenues of savings and all the, all the rest of it to really try to figure out what we was going to do because the business still needs investment, right? So we still need to invest in the business. And I don't have a salary. I've got bills. I've got a son. I've got a partner. I've got family. Like people rely on me. Um, that was like insane <laughs> the joys of being a ceo yeah <laughs> okay here's a red herring question for you mm-hmm. so if you were going through your longest day again or right. in fact just trying to figure out how to pay the bills tomorrow right what food would you choose <laughs> to help you get through that day <laughs> uh, um you know what not so so much food probably a place that has the food is probably burger and lobster um yeah that's yeah that's would be the place when i started making like money when i was younger that's like one of the places that i went to and i felt like You'd I, arrived. I went to the right yeah mm-hmm. yeah felt like it was a five-star restaurant that's yeah so that's always a place i mean i had a very mad life changing um negative thing that happened um recently and essentially when i was leaving where he was that's the first place i went so i assume that's where i go to when things are going bad (laughs) i think that's great that you have a a fixed place where you can reset yeah and um everything's going to be okay Well, George, thank you for sharing your experiences and for being candid. And thank you for your time. And thank you for thank having you me. For, yeah, speaking to our listeners on the longest day. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> You've been listening to a Broadstairs Consulting Limited podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Tune in soon to hear the next installment of The Longest Day. Copyright 2023. Production copyright. Broadstairs Consulting Limited. All rights reserved.